This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Glad to, glad you could join us on the Tuesday night. Just when I thought I was happy to be a Met, I'm going to need Gordon right now. It is tough to be a Met fan. Join us at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7 FM along with JP and Brian DeBrain. We are here until midnight. Then Freddie and Fitz will take the baton and run with it overnight on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Hi, Gordon. Larry, what's going on? What's the why so glum? Noah Syndergaard reaches one year, $21 million deal with the Angels. Yeah, I saw that today. It was a little strange. I, I got to be honest. I think it's a little more. The, the thing that jumped out to me was how strange it is for the Angels. I mean, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah. Since when do they want pitching? <laughs> And that's the guy that you're targeting on a one-year deal? Guy who hasn't pitched in two years? Like, you're saying to yourself, all right, we have to figure out our pitching staff past Shohei Otani. We need a a dependable, durable, you know, because Otani's not exactly, you know, Cal Ripken Jr. with the the injuries. So we need Mm -hmm. somebody dependable, somebody we can rely on, somebody that we can go to every fifth day and know exactly what we're going to get. And that guy's Noah Syndergaard? <laughs> Here's what shocked me, Gordon. $21 million? For that guy, right? For that guy. Now, if you're telling me $21 million Marcus Stroman for the year he had last year, right. I'd what buy does Stroman it. get? I, I, 24. What, what does Max <laughs> Scherzer get? Does he just walk in with a blank check and just, you know, he gets to fill out whatever it is? I mean, $21 million. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because there's so much focus on – the offseason, but also, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to get the CBA worked out? It's kind of hard to plead poverty if you're one of the owners yeah. when a guy who hasn't pitched in, in basically two years and Noah Syndergaard is getting $21 million. It's very uh, – it was a very strange thing to me. I, I don't know how much Met fans are disappointed in it. Are, are you disappointed that you didn't sign him to that contract, or are you disappointed that it's just that the player is gone? I'm disappointed that the player's gone, uh, Gordon. I it, it makes it l- a little less because he, I don't think he should have gotten 21 million. Right, I didn't think he should have gotten 18. Yeah. But but you know you're looking at this now and you're saying, okay, so who's my guy behind Degrom again? And you're still looking at this starting rotation now. Clearly, Marcus Stroman moves up on the list of importance uh, for to get him signed. Obviously, because you got to have some people coming back. I mean. Carrasco, Tyrone Walker. I mean, look, Tyrone Walker was not the same guy second half to first half. I don't know what I'm getting. Carrasco was injured the first half. Okay, the second half. I don't know what I'm getting. And so, you know, for a team that continues to need more things, pitching was the one thing you thought you kind of could figure out a little bit. And, oh, by the way, they still don't have a president (laughs) General manager <laughs> well, and manager. Yeah. The, well, so it's look, just a I lot mean, of stuff. Yeah. The, I would think that this is one of those things that maybe they thought we have time because the market's going to be slow to develop because of the labor situation. They read that wrong, at least in terms mm-hmm. of Noah. If they wanted to have Noah Syndergaard back, and it doesn't seem like that they did, right? Like if all you do is make the qualifying offer to a guy yeah. – yeah. Um, then maybe you didn't really want him back. So 
yeah, the Mets are obviously going to have to get pitching. Now, the good thing is there's a lot of pitching out there, yes. and you would think now putting the, the GM situation behind you that the owner is going to say, okay, we got to – we got to make it look like we know what we're doing here because the first year and a little bit plus of my ownership, it doesn't look like we know what we're doing. So let's go out and spend some money. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of aisles you can go up and down when it comes to starting pitching this off season. There's no doubt about that. And uh, as you know, and you can figure out Don LeGreca and Michael K had strong opinions. We'll hear what they had to say in a moment, but Gordon, I pose this to you. If Syndergaard gets 21 million, what does Verlander get if he's able to come back? I mean, this guy's one Cy Young's. <laughs> More than $21 million, I can tell you that. I mean, because Syndergaard's last full healthy year, I think, was 2019, right? 2019, that's and right. And he was not good that year either. No. So now you're talking about a guy who you have to go back to 2018. I mean, 2018 might only be a few years. It feels a lot longer. 2018 feels a lifetime ago now. It so. does now. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a very strange move for everybody involved. I mean, the, for the Angels, I find it really weird that that's the, that's the way you go down. And, and, to, and, and it doesn't seem like you got any bargain. No. It wasn't $21 million. You're paying top no. of the, the market price there for yeah. a guy who's been as injured and, and as inconsistent as Noah Syndergaard has been. He really, I don't think he ever put two great seasons back-to-back. So uh, I thought that was very odd. Um, so, yeah, very strange move for me. And uh, I, I don't know that the Mets will necessarily um, regret it, but it's going to depend on what else they do from this point on. No doubt about it. Well, you know they've got strong opinions. Uh, let's hear what Michael Kay had to say about Syndergaard signing a $21 million contract for one year to play with the Angels. You can't just, like, take your sweet time about getting a GM. If Billy Epler was in place like a week ago, they could make a concerted decision, sit down with Alderson and Cohen and go, is Syndergaard worth going up the $21 million on? Instead, they're paralyzed because they're trying to hire a GM, and you can say, well, Alderson could have done that. But again, you're saddling the new GM with a guy that he might not want. Well, don't have to worry about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cross that one they off. took the care list. of that. They, right? Listen, don't have to worry about Syndergaard. Yeah, you know, that's one less thing you got to worry about. Uh, Don LaGreca says, hold on. Don't kill the Mets yet. This is the conversation we've had on and off the air about Steve Cohen. Does Steve Cohen want Syndergaard or not? Or is he just like completely out on baseball decisions and like, well, I've got, I've got to talk to my baseball people before I can make a decision? Or does he say, hey, listen, he was a Met fan. He was here as a minority owner of the team. He knows what Syndergaard can do. Why wouldn't he just on, on his own say, no, we'll, I'll give you 25? But he has to wait for the baseball people to make that decision? Again, then, but they, there's, there's that dysfunction, Don. We don't know what the pecking order is. All right, but we don't, again, we also don't know if Syndergaard signed this contract and his agent never went back to the Mets. It's like, here's the qualifying offer. The Angels offered him 22, and he's, he signed it. So it's hard for me to kill the Mets because we don't know, did they have a chance to counter? And did they say no? They weren't willing to go up more than 22. I, I don't know if dif- dysfunction had to do with it or whether Syndergaard just didn't want to come back. Counter to who? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, but, Sandy? The, the, but the thing is, is that there had to have been an ongoing dialogue, right? I mean, yes, they I knew he so. was going to be a free agent. Uh, so I'm sure that there were conversations going back and forth. And, and even when there's not official offers or official statements, you know, you can kind of read the situation. So maybe it was the type of thing where Syndergaard kind of wanted to leave. Mets clearly didn't really want to have him back. And so he's gone. And you know what? For the price that's involved, it, look, there's no bad one-year deals because you can get out from after one year. Uh, it would be very surprising to me 
if the Angels, given who they are and the decisions they've made in the past, end up getting value out of that $21 million on Noah Syndergaard. I agree. And they normally don't go for pitching. Gordon, they're, they're a staunch player in the field team. They always sign players in the field. They just do. And, uh, you know, listen, you're rolling the dice here. Hopefully he can give you something. If he Here's, here's the upside for them. It, like you said, it's one year. And if he's able to give them 15 starts, they'd yeah, be ecstatic. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, how many innings did they think they're going to get out of Noah Syndergaard? It's a good question. I mean, he's pitched two since 2019. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> what do they think that they're going to get, 150? I, I, it's not going to be 150, right? I mean, no. he's coming off Tommy John surgery, 125? No. Yeah. I don't and know. You, and you're paying – I mean, what would, you, what would 200 innings cost? I mean, <laughs> yikes. Double or nothing. Yeah. I mean, to, I mean, Max Scherzer has to just be laughing wherever he is right now. And the other guys as well, the, you know, uh, Robbie Ray or, or Gaussman mm-hmm. or Verlander or Stroman. I mean, Stroman especially. I mean, yeah. the value he gave the Mets, boy, it's the, – the prices just keep going up and up and up. It does. It does. And the Jays signed Barrios. 131 right, 137 million, million right? Yeah. So I tell you. <laughs> Robbie Ray's got to be smiling someplace. Oh, yes, he is. He's like, that's my guy, Barrios. Where the go? Right. I mean, Barrios gets that. I mean, Robbie Ray's going to be the American League Cy Young. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's interesting. So wow. we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. But I, I was just, you know, it's, it's kind of like Gordon um, – you were just, I was just curious to see if they would sign him and if he would take the qualifying offer because I got to be honest, I didn't think anybody would pay him more than that. Based I, on, I wouldn't have thought so either. Based on what he's done, and I'm sure the Mets didn't, you know, didn't either. And if whoever, if if his agent gets back to him and says, "Listen, they want 21," what can I tell you? They'll say, "Well, good luck." Yeah, <laughs> it's been nice. Well, look, it's it, been nice. It's the type of thing where if the Mets didn't feel like $21 million was worth it, that's fine. That's their prerogative, and we'll see how it plays out. But if they mm-hmm. were surprised that he was able to get more than the qualifying offer, well, then that's a little bit on the Mets. You have to kind yeah. of know the landscape, and, and maybe they thought, and rightfully so. I mean, I think we all kind of thought $21 million with the amount of pitching. There's a lot of pitching on the market this year that that's a lot of money to be spending on a guy who has not pitched a lot the last two years. But, hey, good for him. I don't know who his agent is, but good for him but for finding out uh, where it is. I just don't know how it's going to work out. I'd be surprised if that works out for the Angels. It just seems like a very, very odd move. I agree with you. Now, another kind of odd move for me is Luis Rojas is not the Yankee third base coach. Yeah. Like, well, why? <laughs> just like, you know, I, I – it doesn't bother me at all. I'm just curious as to there's nobody else you could find to, to coach well, third base. Look, he's got managerial experience. He's another guy who's, you know, certainly been around the game. Um, he's worked with a lot of, you know, younger players. So maybe the Yankees like having a little bit of uh, an influx of youth for him. It allows him to stay in the same city. And I'll tell you this right now. I mean, the fact that, you know, I don't want to kick uh, Phil Nevin when he's down, but, you know, the guy got 22, 23 yeah. guys thrown out of the plate last year. Yeah. Luis Rojas is walking into a good situation, my friend. I mean, and maybe, maybe a little bit in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know what, if things go sideways with, with Aaron Boone, you know, it's not bad to be the other guy on the staff that has some managerial experience. Yeah, that's for sure. And although I wouldn't use the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Before hey, it's on my resume. You, know, you still get to put it on your resume, right? I mean, 
He's got experience. Right. He can he can always bl- listen. He can always blame the dysfunction. I didn't know. Look, what was this is what's going on. Look, we had this, uh, that, and this, and I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was happening. You know, he could always come up with it. Uh, wow. He might be the third base coach of the year, comparing uh, who we want. Oh know, yeah, this who, is true. What happened last year? This is true. So Luis Rojas spoke, and the first thing that he talked about was, and this is interesting. Gordon, because he said that Aaron Boone was the first manager to reach out to him when he became Met manager, his, the former Met manager. Aaron was the first manager that called me when I got the manager position with the New York Mets. So he was the first one that called me over the phone. And uh, he actually left the message. I couldn't, I couldn't answer it on time. And uh, I, re- I called back and then we, we connected. But he was welcome, welcoming me uh, to the city um, as, as, you know, the manager of one of the two teams, as he was the manager of the other team. And I thought that was pretty neat. So immediately we've, uh, I think we, we established a really good connection. Um, every now and then we'll call or each other will text um, just to check in. Uh, but then in the Subway series, we met and we always gave each other information, just heads up for whether I was a visiting team going into the, uh, into Yankee stadium, or he was a visiting team coming into uh, city field. You know, that's, that's nice for Aaron Boone to do that. And it kind of, you know, when you hear that, that there was kind of a relationship going on there, Gordon, professional relationship. He Boone obviously respects what Rojas has done, respect what he's done in the minor leagues. And so when he needed a third base coach, he's like, hey, listen, you know, he's a guy out of a job. Come on over. Yeah, and apparently he's got a relationship with Carlos Mendoza from, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, managing in the minors or playing days or whatnot. Uh, so uh, that'll be, you know, it's all about kind of who you know. So, yeah. hey, look, uh, Luis Rojas uh, deserves a second opportunity. I'm sure he's sure. still a young guy. I don't know how old he is, but you can just look at him and tell that he's a he's a fairly young guy. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure he's looking to get back into to managing at some point down the road. So it's a pretty high-profile thing, third base, Yankees. So uh, we'll see how it works out. Rojas uh, also took a moment to reflect on his time managing the Mets. For me, it was a a learning experience and uh, I wouldn't change it for anything at this point. And, and, you know, I've learned a lot and uh, I do reflect and and every every time I reflect it, it's sometimes even new ideas brew uh, because of it. So, you know, you can't change that. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful that I got the opportunity to manage uh, the team for the two years and, you know, what things I'm going to miss is a lot of friendship, you know, that I established from a lot of years past. And uh, not everyone that I started meeting there when I got to the organization is still there, but they're around in baseball. But there are a lot of people there that I do care uh, about very much, you know, because I know them for years and, you know, that, you know, I'm going to miss them for sure. You know, so reflecting on not not only the situation, the the events that have happened in the last couple of years, because I think everyone's lifted. Not only the New York Mets lifted, and 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 I think we they had a couple of more events right than probably any of the other teams in the in the big leagues. But you know, there were there were tough times, um, you know. And I, I think at the end of the day, or uh, you know, at the end of life, you reflect on friendships, and that's that's the one thing that I reflect the most. Probably the the, the friends that I'm going to leave uh, there. And I know we'll be in touch, but you know, you miss you're going to miss uh, seeing some faces on a daily basis. The one thing I'll say about him, Gordon, as a Met manager is, and, and it's, the, it's a standard that I always look at, is that even when they were struggling, they played hard for him. And that's really a telltale sign as to how the players respect you and respect what you're trying to do. Because you can tell when guys have tuned you out. <laughs> it shows, especially in baseball where you play every single day. 
So I will give him credit that he was able to keep them engaged, that he was able to convince them that what he was trying to do, the, the, the image and the game plan that he had for their success was on the right path. They had confidence in it. They just weren't able to execute it. Well, the one thing I think that he can leave with the Mets, remember back in spring training when he had them practicing the final out of the World Series and how yeah. they were going to celebrate? We can leave that one. I don't think we need to bring – leave that one in Port St. Lucie. Everything – from now on, it's only uh, upward and onward, right? Yep, absolutely. Now, normally during the baseball season, for those of you who may be new to ESPN New York tonight, when we have Aaron Boone, uh, Gordon Damer does a tremendous job in <laughs> just interpreting what Aaron Boone is going to say. And normally they are simpatico beyond belief. So this is, a, this is just to give you kind of an idea, this is an off-season view. This is the, and, and Gordon, this is, you don't have to be as excellent as you are during the games. It's not important. But just kind of meld your mind with Aaron Boone. because today It's time he was asked, to ask Aaron. There we go. So today, today he was asked about okay. Korea. Oh, he was asked about Carlos Correa? Yes, he was. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Oh, come on. This is the New York media, buddy. Well, well oh, you, you know, know. sometimes, you know, I think about during the season, you don't want to be tampering. You don't want right. to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess he Season's can now, <laughs> he can he can talk about him. Um, mm-hmm. Well, look, it's going to be nothing but positives. I'm sure that um, – He'll uh, talk about what an established player he is, what a big-time player he is in the postseason, that he, he brings everything to the table that you would want. Um, you know, he's a leader. I'm sure he'll bring that up and uh, that he's a guy that, um, you know, that they've always noticed and uh, has always stood out when they're facing off against the Astros. So something along those lines. Aaron Boone on Carlos Correa. Great player. You know, I think he's obviously in the prime of his career or entering the prime of his career even. And and part of what is a very special shortstop class, I think he's a guy that has really developed into a leader over these last several seasons with the Astros. And he's going to be in high demand for, for good reason based on the player he is between the lines. But I also think the intangible things that he's that you've seen him grow into over the years, at least across the diamond. So the history part is not a, a factor for you either? No. Even out of season, Gordon Damon just <laughs> the leader, knows. The leader, I think I got. I nailed that part. Yeah, Aaron no Boone, he just knows him. He just knows him. <laughs> talked about leader, talked about how good he is. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, I mean, and look, clearly, I, I, clearly, I, I know Gordon, last night I made my prediction about the Jet game. I, I think I can, I, I'm confident on another one. I yeah. will be absolutely stunned. If the Yankees get Carlos Correa, I, I know they're going to say all the right things. He's going to mm-hmm. say that stuff is 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 not uh, an issue. It's not going to have an impact. To think that they're going to go and sign Carlos Correa to three hundred million dollars, given the history that he has, and and really maybe the only guy that's still there for the Yankee team is Aaron is Aaron Judge, but he's a guy who's looking for a contract. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to go out and sign, you know, his sworn enemy. I, I got to see it before I believe it. So you don't you don't see a a career in pinstripes in your I, future. I I I need to see it before I believe it, Larry. I just, uh, just with all the different options they have to go, mm-hmm. it just seems hard for me to believe. And I know a lot of Yankee fans have gotten past it. Yeah. And I guess you know if, if they if they brought in Roger Clemens at a time, I, mean, I guess I'd have yeah. to get past it this time as well. But 
I would be very surprised if Carlos Correa is a Yankee. Huh. Interesting. Uh, promo code Gordon? Look, if I can find it on the app, I will. Uh, if I got any money left after Sunday, Larry, Jets plus three, people. Yeah, you're 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 playing this hard. I saw some oh. responses on Twitter. People people not buying it. Uh, look, Jet fans are hurting. If you want to have a a bountiful Christmas, a beautiful Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, a little extra money goes a long way, and this would be just in time for the holiday season. It's no free question money. about it. Interesting. So, Gordon, as you can imagine, the conversation has continued about Ryan versus Robert, Salah versus Rex. A lot of folks weighed in on the airs today. You heard just about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you heard them all. Yes. Uh, let's begin with Ryan Clark, who was on Greeny today. You know, Greeny, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, 10 to midday here on 987 ESPN. And Ryan says it's very simple. Simple. Uh, Ryan Clark says... Robert Sala, he's got to change his approach. The tough part for fans of the New York Jets is that you don't see the energy or you don't see the interest from anywhere, right? You have a head coach who says, you know what? I don't scream at guys. If you got to scream at guys to, to play better, then they shouldn't be in the league. Well, that's BS. Because whatever you're doing, whatever your approach has been to this point, it's not working. So you do have to try something else. When your team doesn't have energy, as the head coach, you're supposed to bring energy. As if a team is not executing, as a head coach, you're supposed to pin down on the X's and O's. That's your job. Gordon, he's absolutely right. That is his job. I will say this, though. Uh... The other thing that you would normally do in that situation is bench people and play somebody else. <laughs> well, he doesn't have yeah. that option because no, he's got not. a bunch of people who are hurt, and the, and his starters in in many positions aren't that good. Nope. But it doesn't even seem like the guys who are the starters sometimes. It, it seems like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And to think that we're at week ten, week eleven of the season, and guys. You know, still don't know where they're supposed to be on plays, what their assignment is. Yep. Yikes. That yeah. speaks directly to coaching. It does. It really does. And and listen, I mean, what has he got to be excited about? Right. Yeah, it would be a little weird if people were like, yeah, all right, yes, we gave up 45, but you know what? We're in this. We're fired up. It would be strange. Yeah, what a solid, you know, I, I get it. And, and Gordon, I got to tell you, it's hard for me to believe, okay? It's hard for me to believe that with the way this defense has played over the past month, that he hasn't raised his voice to somebody in that building. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, I- I'm serious. Yeah. If, if he hasn't, then he's not a human. I mean, he's a robot <laughs> at that point. So, um, no. they I, Look, and, and nobody is saying they have to have a top five, a top ten defensive no. unit or anything like that. But you can't be going out and giving up four. I mean, what was the total? 175 the last yeah. four games that they played? That's right. That's right. 175 points, 45 points in back-to-back weeks. It's, um, yeah, I, I don't know if he has to take over play calling. Yeah. Uh, I think that that has to be the next step. I mean, I this agree. is this is your this is you. I mean, this is this is all on you. And and the only way you can change the conversation is to change the results. So, uh, and as bad as it is, how can it get any worse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could get worse. Go ahead and keep telling you, it no, could get it worse. Well, no, they're going to win this week, Larry. I'm telling you right now. So it's going to look. You know, they'll give up 17, 20 points this week. They'll be in the game. 
They'll find a way to get a win. This is the way the week is going to go. Everybody's going to be crushing the Jets, crushing Robert Sal. I'm sure Rex will have another little salvo here in the next day or so. Uh, and then on Sunday, Zach Wilson will be back. The defense will be making plays. You'll be saying to yourself, why weren't they doing this for the last month? So this is all going to according to plan. All right. Mike Tannenbaum was on with DPH on Rothenberg this morning, and he reacted to Salah's reaction to Rex's comments. If I was talking to Coach Salah, which apparently he listens to you guys every morning, which, you know, millions and millions of people do, so I can't yep. blame him, is you have to somehow ignore the noise. And what I mean by that is when you have the privilege of one of these jobs, especially in New York, everyone's going to have opinion, good or bad. And look, I understand it stings. It kind of comes from a coaching fraternity, but, you know, Rex is now a paid commentator and he's going to give his opinion. So go play great against Miami, figure out how to stop a left-handed quarterback, and, and nothing else really matters. And if you do that, all the noise goes away. And look, He's a bright, successful coach. That's why he got the job. And when you get criticized for the first time like this, it, it stings. It's human nature. It is. And you know what it did, Gordon? And we talked about this a little bit because I always told you, I've always wondered. But, and I had this conversation with a couple of my colleagues that were on the beat when Eric Mangini came. All right. And, and you know, he, after he was successful, you know, up in New England and understanding what that was, and then to come here and not be able to take that next step and ultimately get fired, you have to wonder as you look and say, okay, what, what do I still know what I'm doing? Do I really know what I'm doing? And if you're Robert Sala, with your Ballywick being made on defense and to have this defense set records that you don't want set, and somebody criticize you who used to be, used to have the job that you have now, it had to like sting a lot. It had to. Had to, yeah. and it made him question what he's doing. Yeah, I just don't know why. You know, what is he gaining from? From like, I understand he gets asked a question, you have to answer a question. But I mean, there's a thousand ways you can answer a question, mm-hmm. and and you don't have to let on that this type of stuff. Because I'll tell you right now, this ain't the last time he's going to get criticized. No, nope. the Jets are not going to be some eleven and five or what we eleven and six team next year either. So, uh, I. I I know it's easy to say, you know, just shut out the noise, but there's nothing that's good coming from responding to, taking any value in what anybody is saying. They're, we're all going to talk about what's going on, but that should not impact the head coach of the team. And if, they, and if it is, boy, they got even more pro- – I mean, doesn't Robert Sal have enough things to worry about right now? Yeah, he does. No question about it. No question. Keyshawn Johnson was on with the DPA from Rothenberg this morning as well, and he said, you know, if I was Joe Douglas – I'm not happy right now. If I'm Joe Douglas and I'm the general manager of the team or the president of the team, I don't need that, man. I need you to win games. I don't need you getting caught up in media arguments with a former coach. Like, the media is going to criticize. They're going to say what they're going to say. Like, everybody that says something about you, you're going to attack them. I don't, I don't, I just, like, that's, to me, that's beneath a head coach running a, a, a franchise in an organization. Now, I'm going to throw, and I agree with Keyshawn 1,000%, Gordon, and I agree with what you said earlier. But it's so rare that a coach does that. 
a former head coach. Gordon, yeah. can you remember the last time a coach lashed out at somebody else like that, like Rex did? Yeah, I'm sure it has happened at some time. Um, well, I mean, but Rex Rex says what's on his mind. You know, that's his value um, he, as a former head coach. He's going to give it to you as he sees it. He is usually attacking Joe Judge. Giants mm-hmm. had a bye this week, and the Jets picked a bad time <laughs> to give up 45 points. So the the, the cannon was going to be pointed at there. And it's and look, you know, like I I disagree uh, to a certain degree of, of things that Rex said about don't compare him to him. Nobody's comparing the two people, mm-hmm. but he's not wrong. I mean, the defense is embarrassing. I mean, to be getting lit up this way, and, and again, if it were like week two, week three, okay, fine. I, it doesn't seem like the Jets are running some super complex scheme. And I, I, I realize they don't have the best talent. They've got injuries. You're giving up 45 points a it's week. A lot. And no again, question. it could have been way worse. That's right. Like if, the, if that were against the Patriots this past week, they would have put up 60. The Colts yeah. game, they would have put up 70. They would have – Belichick would have just kept running again, running again. I mean, the the defense, it's 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 horrendous. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's as bad as any defense I think we've all ever seen for an extended period of time, for like a month. It, it, you have to go back to 1966 to find a team that's given up this many points in this short ter- t- uh, period of time. Yeah, and it happened to be another New York team. Yes. <laughs> not very good either, but they're not giving up 45 a week. No, they aren't. And, and the scary thing is, Gordon, it's not that they're it's not that they're giving up the points. It's how they're giving up the points. I mean, huge gaps on the ground oh. through holes that that people running backs could run alongside each other and get through the holes is so big. It's it's um, in the word to borrow from the Michael K show troubling. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, the Bills are just a completely different class, right? No question. I mean, they're the, they're, they, they, I mean it's, it's wide open right now, but they might be the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC, right? We'll, we'll find out, but they're one of the favorites. They, they're the best defense in the AFC, the, the, you know, one of the top teams. The Colts game, to me, was even worse yeah. because that – like, the Colts are okay. They've got an okay offense. It's not, you know, record-setting offense – and they were just pushing the Jets around yeah. like they were like the tackling sled. I mean, it was that one was even more glaring, I think, than the other three or four. So, um, look, the schedule does get easier. It's time to – Robert Sala keeps saying that it's going to flip. You better flip it this week. You better flip it this week. Just be competitive. Right. I mean, that would be a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, just be competitive. You know, Gordon, it's funny. I, so many people complain about the Rangers or what they're doing, and they don't have this and they don't have that, and they may be right or wrong. I don't know, but for right now, they're just winning. <laughs> it's the yeah. bottom line. I, look, I don't follow the Rangers that closely. You know that I say that all the time. But four straight wins. They got ten wins on the season. Uh, they're five and zero oh against the Atlantic Division teams. So uh, I know it's maybe you know Ranger fans are in it. The, you know. I can have a little bit more of a forest from the trees perspective, but it seems mm-hmm. pretty good to me, at least early on. I mean, the season is so long as it is. Yeah. This is about what you could – I don't think you could have asked for much more than this at this point. No, not at all. And the Islanders, listen, if I'm an Islander fan and they're struggling, they've lost a couple, they lost again tonight 6-1, they were down 4 nothing in the first. It's been a long road trip, Gordon. They're, you know, mentally, they're, they're fried, just – all they can do is get back home to to their new building. They'll open it up, and I think they're going on a nice little street. Well, look, if there's one person in this entire town that you would have faith in running your organization, 
It's the guy that runs the Islanders, yep. Lou Lamarillo. So it's a long season. It's not gotten off to the start that the Islander fan would want, especially after the last couple of years, but um, it's a long season. That's right. That's right. And in a game that I was interested to see how it was going to go, and it was really interesting in the first quarter with uh, Golden State visiting Brooklyn to play the Nets. And listen, Steph Curry is having an amazing Oh, my Gordon. God. He's unbelievable. He's worth the $50 million. <laughs> Oh, my God. He just it, shoots and shoots anywhere. 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 And hits him. And hits him with ease. Hits him. All net, Gordon. No, no, no oh, bouncing around. Oh, no. No lucky bounce. No bank. Nothing. Just swish every time. I mean, they are. Are they back now? I guess they're back, right? I mean, and, they're 12 and, and, and 2 on the season. Yeah. And still don't have Clay Thompson. Right. They're not going to have him for another month and just rolling all. I mean, and they are rolling people. Yes, they are. I mean, they've only lost the two games. One of those losses was in overtime. Just about every single one of those wins was double digits. Tonight's game was it I mean they were it was not even, you know, they're talking about Grant Hill's golf game in the fourth <laughs> quarter, you know, and and Stan Van Gundy's golf game because there's nothing to talk about in the game. I mean, that game was over after the third quarter. A close game yeah, after the half. It was a five-point game going into the third, and the Warriors yeah. just put the, the pedal to the metal and left Brooklyn in the dust. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Golden State certainly seems like they are, they are back, man, and they are just housing people right now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Let's talk to some folks. 1-800-919-3776. Justin's in Long Island. He starts us off on ESPN New York tonight. What's up, Justin? Hey, Larry. What's up, man? Uh, just a quick question. I just want to talk. I just want to talk to you guys about if the NFL playoffs started now, um, who would be your pick to the two teams to go to the Super Bowl? And another point I want to bring up is I don't really trust Buffalo. I know they have a good defense, but Josh Allen's been kind of up and down. And I, I just a gut feeling. I feel like the Patriots are gonna win that division because uh, they still have to play Buffalo twice. And I really like what Mac Jones is doing. I think Bill Belichick's doing, you know, a great job as usual. Uh, I'm going to hang up and listen what you guys have to think about that. All right, Justin, thanks for the phone call. Gordon, this might be, and I hate to say it, this might be one of the best coaching jobs Belichick has done. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, clearly. I mean, to get this turned around with a rookie quarterback, we kind of forget he's a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not a, it's not an issue for him that he's a rookie quarterback. No. He's, he's, this is exactly what you want. You know, there's some, some things that they had to work around early in the season, and now he's opening up third down. He's, he's hitting every pass. I mean, they're opening up the playbook and don't exactly have the greatest skill position players. Mm-hmm. but they're not having any issues uh, scoring some points. So um, even as explosive as the Bills' offense is, the Patriots have scored five fewer points. this ne- Now, they played an extra game, mm-hmm. but still only five fewer points than the Buffalo Bills. Uh, for me, in the AFC, it would still be Buffalo. I can hear what he's saying, you know, that the, the, the Bills have just kind of been, um, you know, they house some people early on, but they've just been kind of mediocre here for a little while. Um, I, I would still say it's the Bills to me because, you know, the Bills don't have – they have the Jaguar loss, but even that was like a 9-6 weird game. You know, like mm-hmm. there's so many teams that have like really bad losses. You know, like, um, um, you know, the Buccaneers have had a couple of bad losses in a row. The Rams, obviously, a couple in a row. Arizona, um, you know, losing the quarterback. So each team, it seems like, have had a little bit of a blip here or there. Mm-hmm. 
The Bills, to me, if I'm looking at just the AFC and I had to, and I have put money on, <laughs> the Bills would be the team that I would still be betting on. I don't trust them, Gordon. Um, I and and this is crazy. I think I trust, I'm, and I don't really trust Baltimore, but I trust them a little bit more, right, uh, than I do Buffalo. So I would. Uh, if I had to, I think I would lean with Baltimore. But I, I tell you, if Derrick Henry was still playing, I'd be oh. I'd be on that Titans bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big loss for him, obviously. Huge. And and now losing Julio Jones for a while, that's another yep. loss for him. Um, yeah, I mean, it's look, it's wide open. I mean, it's, it is. It's, it's really good. And think back last year. You know, it was about this time last year where the Buccaneers had some bad losses in a row, mm-hmm. right? And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they get on a roll. And they don't lose again, and that very well could happen this year. So, like, it's wide open right now. I think the MVP race is completely wide open it right is. now. I agree. Uh, so, uh, this is what the NFL wants, and now with an extra playoff team in there, who knows? Yeah. In, in the NFC, Gordon, I'm I, I, I'm leaning towards Green Bay. Yeah. Um, I, I respect the Cowboys. I know what they've done. I have a lot of respect for Prescott. I know that they can run the football. Uh, I, I don't. I hate to sound like Stephen A., but I just don't. I just don't trust Dallas. I, I'm leaning towards Green Bay. Uh, I'm wondering what's going on. See, my thing with Tampa, I, I would you know go with the defending champions, but they've got so many injuries. Their defense has not been good because of the injuries. It really yeah. hasn't. Well, it really hasn't. And, that's and the when, thing. And when the coach starts saying that Tom Brady's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Talk yeah, about pushing the button. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not. Um, well, look, the the thing with the Bucks is, is being a veteran team as they are, like any no team can suffer that many injuries, but no, especially no. an older team, it's going to take right. them longer to get back from those injuries. So uh, for me, um, if I had to put money on a team right now, it probably would be the Packers. To me, I separate it in the NFC. I think that it. I I, th- I could see the Packers going. I could see the Cowboys going. I could see the Rams going. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I don't know. I don't really believe in Arizona. I can't see Tampa getting back as hard as it is to get back there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then who? I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, like yeah. that last playoff spot. Is it going to be the Vikings? Is it going to be the Saints? Is it going to be a team from the NFC East? Can the Eagles get to get on a little bit of a run? I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. It seems like they got too many spots for playoff spots this year, and not enough teams to fill them. Can Cam and the Panthers make a run, Gordon? Uh, look, why not? Right? I mean, yeah. why not? They're five and five. It's that they're not out of anything. And in yeah. fact, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, they would be. They would be the seventh team right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's amazing. And Atlanta's one game back. Atlanta. (laughs) Atlanta. I mean, it's a crazy – you know, the Bears are only two back. The Giants are only two back, and yet they're still in last place. Yeah. Isn't that something? They have a big – they got a big game Monday night. Oh, they got – I mean, they got to have it. Got to have it. It's a big game. That's a big one. Gordon, I got some thoughts on what happened with the Knicks last night. I'll talk about that. But first, let's go back to the phones. Roscoe is in Brooklyn. He joins us next on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, what's going on? Great. It's always good talking and listening to you when you talk about the Knicks. But for that last caller with the Rojas thing, and, and it's funny, you know what? Signing Rojas was a great thing by the New York Yankees, actually. You know why? He's going to bring fundamentals to the team. He's going to bring the, the little things that, that the Mets had that the Yankees didn't have. And I think that's that's important because, you know, we, we lacked. We, we, 
we got caught at home how many times? About 30, 40 times this year? <laughs> I think it was 22, but it seemed like 30 or 40. Back, it did was, seem like 30 or 40. It, it was <laughs> It, it, it was, and it, it, let alone in the playoffs, in the wild card, Larry. We got we on the biggest game. So I think Rojas, he's going to bring a little something extra. And, you know, he's no baseball. The, the guy is good. He knows baseball. He's, he's been in the, in the minors for years in the Mets organization. The whole thing with Noah, he, he let his team down, Larry. He let you guys down. You guys stuck by this guy for two years. He didn't throw a ball. And all you guys did was support him, and he turned his back on you. And I don't care how much money you make, the fan base is the one that's going to that's gonna appreciate you more than that little bit of money that you're making. Dude, you let New York down with that. Like, that was a slap in the face to the Mets fans. And, and you know what? It is what it is. And, and my Nick point, they're playing deep, and they're they, they playing good. I told you, as, so, as soon as they start playing and quickly, we're good. I'm out, Larry. All right, Roscoe, thanks for the phone call. Gordon, I will say this. If you're not sure <laughs> about how you're going to be able to pitch, if you're not sure that you'll be able to be the pitcher you were, if somebody offers you $21 million, you, you take it. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> you, I mean take the, it. The, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people, well, you know, for $3 million, he, he took an extra $3 million. It was only $3 million. Only $3 million? Where, where are you coming from? $3 million is a lot of money. Especially if, I mean, clearly tomorrow is promised to no one, especially a pitcher that's not pitched the last two years. So, yeah, yeah I would say take the extra $3 million. No, he's got to take the money. I, I, and I, but I understand what Roscoe's saying from a fan standpoint. I get it. But from a, from a player standpoint, listen, a one-year deal for $21 million. And, Gordon, if he's a, think about this. If he's able to get through the year and pitch decently, he's going to make $30 million next year. Yeah, clearly. I mean, for a multi-year about, deal. Yeah, this is about trying to. You know, it's just a weird spot for him because it the is. West is so competitive. The A, yep. the, you know, the A's. Even though they're going to be in a downturn, they're going to be good. The Astros, um, you know, they're always going to be good. So it, it's a little bit of a weird spot for him. But money-wise, you know, the Mets have the the the, the owner who has more money than anybody. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to keep him that bad. You should have offered more than just a qualifying offer. I, I yeah. guess the Mets didn't want to keep them. No, they they probably that price. Felt, they right. probably yeah for the price. Listen, eighteen is is as high as we'll go. After that, you can have them. And, and look, good. it might turn out to be a good deal for the Mets because now you right. get that that pick right. Yeah, uh, from the Angels. So mm-hmm. uh, look, it, it might all turn out to be okay. It might be. We'll we'll wait and see. Uh, it looks as though Gordon that Mitchell Robinson will return to the lineup tomorrow. After leaving Monday's win over Indiana with the uh, with the uh, rolled ankle, but he still he still can't find. Which is a great story that JP and, and Brian included in our rundown. He still can't find the right shoes to wear, Gordon. It's, <laughs> it's, it's what is he doing that's so much different than what everybody else is doing? So he says he's wearing orthotic inserts in his sneakers following the foot surgery, but his shoes keep busting multiple times. Then he said um, he had PGs, retired those, the Paul Georges. He had KDs, Durant, uh, had his toe, got, got stepped on, so he had those. He went to the Kyrie high top one. That didn't those work. are always unreliable. <laughs> Can't trust those ever. <laughs> he went to a size 16, even though he wears a 14, still didn't work out. So, you know, I, 
I don't know. I just I, even the sizing with Kyrie is off. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things. But yeah. the the positive thing I thought about from the game last night, Gordon, as I look back at it and had some conversations with an old friend today about it, was Fibido did a nice job mixing the lineups. And when you look back, you look at the third period. He had quickly with a Kimber Walker for a minute. He, he did some mixing. He, you saw there was a couple of minutes, and obviously because of the injury to Mitchell Robinson and to give Taj Gibson a blow at least, uh, he was able to once again, we've seen this a couple of times with the injury, he had uh, Toppin and Julius Randle playing together with Randle playing the five. And Gordon, I like that. I like that lineup because what it does is with Randle at the five, he can pull the other five away. From the right. basket, sure, and it it opens up the lane a little bit. So a guy like Rose or Quickly or Kemba, you know, if they're in that lineup, they can go to the basket a little bit, and and it kind of gives that it helps, it keeps from the offense being stagnant. You know what I mean? It keeps from them just pounding the ball and waiting for somebody to move. By bringing him out, it opens up the lane. So I I, I was I was pleased with some of the adjustments that Thibodeau's making, and I'm curious to see what he's going to do if he's going to continue, the next thing he's got to do is he's got to find a way to get Fournier going because what's happening with him. If, if he's not open for three, he's not putting it up. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and it's funny, you see Randall running screens, you see Randall setting the pick and then moving out the way. And Fournier's like, no, don't move. Cause the other, the defender comes over there. I'm not, I'm not shooting the ball and he ends up passing it. So he, he's almost like a Reggie Miller, not, not, not to that level. I got what you're saying. Right. No, but he's a guy that's got to run through screens. Mm-hmm. And and they're not doing that. So, you know, unless they start doing that, I don't see he's going to be much use for them as a starter. Now, he might be a guy that could come off the bench. Yeah. It, it just seems like that. Like, if you're talking about the starters and, and the starting unit needing an influx of defense, that would seem to be the most logical place to get it. Because Burks is, uh, you know, is not that much of a downgrade from Fournier, with the, especially the way he's playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just seem like the most logical place to to get an influx of defense, and then you're not playing a backcourt where everybody can go around both guys. At least, you know, you're kind of like what you were saying before about playing Kemba with quickly. At least quickly can provide you some defense where mm-hmm. Kemba's not. You know, you're not putting two guys that are, are compromised to that degree. So, look, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a feeling-out process for Tibbs. It's always going to be kind of a work in progress. So, after what we've seen so far, you're getting close to the 20-game mark. It's not reactionary. It's not jumping to things right away. So, it's about the time where you start to make a little tweak here and there. And, and at least having quickly play better, uh, Rose playing at the level that he's playing, it kind of helps you cover up some of the, the, the issues that you're having in that backcourt right now. And it was nice to see some defense being played yes. uh, by this Nick team, for you know, which they haven't really done. And they had some moments where you're like, okay, what's going on? But, you know, it wasn't to the extent where people were just going to the basket at will, you know, and just, I mean, people were wide open threes and it was just, it was just, bad the well, way things were going i mean when the guys when, when when your opponent can just go right around who's ever guarding them get in the lane you know everybody collapses and you know it leaves somebody a wide open for a three and it's it, it, but it starts with the two guys that are 
are the guards supposedly supposed, you know, giving you some defensive effort and with Kemba and with Fournier both on the court at the same time. I just don't think you can play those two. What is it? 15 games they played 16, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough. I can tell you, I don't. I, they, they can't play those two guys together. And you know, I thought Fournier was much more of just a kind of a, like a catch and shoot guy. Yes, yeah. Um, and he's not really been that. Maybe it's the way he's being defended right now. So they got you know, moving him to the bench allows him to to maybe take on more of that role where other guys are moving, um, and, and he can kind of find his spot out of the wing. Well, then that improves him because he's been a bit of outside of that first game. Really, he's been a little bit disappointing. He has, and what it also does, Gordon, is it allows Rose to be a, a passer because he would have, you know, uh, Fournier to be another scorer back there along with him and Obi Toppin. And, you know, the, the the bench group is just has such great chemistry. But because you know that he's going to be on the floor late, Derrick Rose, it, it allows him to just focus on saving his scoring for the, for the fourth quarter when you're going to need him in the final five minutes. Yep. Uh, and there was always that concern that, you know, he's not exactly uh, indestructible anymore. So yeah, you have yeah. to be, you always have to kind of be ma- managing his minutes. You always got to be managing Kemba's minutes. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts. And and then with Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, where, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it never seems like, bo- it's like you don't see both guys at the same time, right? No, I mean, it's like one guy's hurt, the other guy's back, the other guy's back, the other guy's hurt. So. It doesn't yeah. seem like Noel is going to be playing uh, tomorrow, but Mitchell Robinson will be. So hopefully Noel can get back here because he's he definitely provides you some of that defense that we talk about. Mm-hmm. There, I think, Gordon, they're going to have to make a decision at the center spot I'm, because you've got two guys. Listen, Noel has been injury prone, and as he gets older, that's not going to change. No. And you got Mitchell, who appears to be injury prone and can't find a sneaker that fits him. So I think they're going to have to look and see. They may have to make a move and see if they can get a, a center that could be more reliable because with the way that they struggle, uh, especially with the guard play that you have right now, you really need somebody that's going to be a rim protector back there. Yeah. You're not relying on 36-year-old Taj Gibson? I mean, he is the most dependable of the three. He is. He is. And nobody sets a screen like Taj Gibson. No, no. <laughs> and you know what? It, it really is. I would think that for some sneaker company, there's this there's this opportunity sitting out. Yeah. Now, look, Mitchell Robinson's not a big enough guy maybe to, to, to sell enough sneakers, but here's a guy who's busting out of all these sneakers that are like mm-hmm. the brand-name sneakers. Yeah. Get this guy a pair of sneakers. That, all it has to do is just work for more than one game. <laughs> I mean, he can't get through a game without breaking his sneakers. He's like the Incredible Hulk of sneakers. I know. It's amazing. It's amazing. He needs a sneaker contract badly. He really badly. does. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.